0: hurt, God heals, I'm one of two of your hosts, I'm uh, Kurt Flegel, and if you are calling in, we would love to talk to you, so here's the number, if you want to call in, interact with us in this show, that's a huge part of it for us, we are going to be discussing our journey, me and my co-host Chris Wolwind are going to be discussing our journey to healing, In this show, but we also want to hear your journey. We want to hear what's going on with you. So first and foremost, it's very important uh, for you to join us in this discussion. So there's two ways of doing that. You can call in to uh, blog talk radio at 323. Five eight zero five seven five five. That's three two three five eight zero five seven five five. Or you can just go to blogtalkradio.com, and you can click on the comment section, and there you can post questions for us uh, during the show. You can make comments, and we always like encouraging and loving things. Or you could just say something sarcastic and snappy, and we'll laugh at that too. So, and speaking of snappy and sarcastic we also want to make sure we acknowledge our awesome producer annie keith annie can you say something so people know that you exist and you're not a figment of my imagination what do you want me to say besides hi (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome so
1: what well i'm glad she wasn't snarky that's okay
0: it's, not a, it's okay that she is, isn't snarky, Chris? Is that no, what you're
1: saying? No, it's okay that she didn't have to be snarky this time.
0: So. I don't know if I agree with that. Sometimes it
2: just I, comes natural. I don't know what to tell you guys.
0: Well, Sometimes
2: right. it comes natural.
0: <laughs>
2: all right, all the time.
1: <laughs> I was also thinking that if people wanted to connect with us, they could squint really hard and kind of do a psychic thing. And let's just see if we pick it up. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so what are we talking about
1: today, Mr. Kurt? What's going on?
0: Well, uh, I want to introduce both of you first. Uh, Well, I guess I'll give the title first. And uh, our title for today is Postures and Practices, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute give you guys a flavor of that. Before we do that, I I would just love to hear a little tidbit. We you know, share we've shared last week a little bit about ourselves and and uh, Annie, I'd love for you to go first if that's okay. And uh and I love that look on your face. No one else can see it but me and Chris right now, but I I like that that stunned look, the deer in the headlights look. Just share a little bit about yourself. You know where you're from originally, where where you are now, how awesome you are. You know, I'm sure you're afraid to well, talk about that.
2: I'm very afraid to talk about how awesomely amazing I am. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> that out there. Um, I'm Annie Keith. I am originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I moved to uh, the Central Coast in 2016. Teen followed the spirit here, I should say. God brought me here, Um, and I work at Cal Poly full time and loving life.
0: That's great. Wow, very succinct. I I I appreciate that, Annie. Yeah, not like Kurt. (laughs) Sometimes there's
2: only a few words that need to be said. (laughs) Teach me. Uh, teach me those
0: times Uh, speaking of postures i'm placing myself at your feet to learn how to be be a man of few words good thing i washed my feet (laughs) today right yeah today today Today. nice chris did you watch this today chris no i don't did i wash
1: my feet i wash my feet every day
0: is that the truth
1: that's the truth. I take a shower every day. I don't know what e- about you guys, but I take a shower I, I every don't.
0: day. I do not. If we're talking hygiene, if we're going to be honest, I do not. So um, I, I like to do what I call the, the uh, thing I call it is homeless chic. I, I like homeless chic. So, Chris, tell us a little bit in a nutshell in – Less words than Annie used. If this is the challenge, I want you to use less words than Annie used to describe yourself and a little bit of your journey. Go. I'm a child of God. That was less words for sure.
1: (laughs) I'm a child of God. And I am learning that it's really okay to be an infant again and learning how to lean against walls in the spirit. And, uh, and I think that all is just framed around learning how to be, learning what it means to truly be humble, what it means to be a a bond servant of the Lord. So yeah, kind of an exciting journey, actually, because it's brand new.
0: Can you can? This is interesting because this kind of falls into what we're talking about. So would you mind? Kind. I I know I said use a few words, but would you mind expanding on that thought of be, learning to be an infant again? What does, what does that mean?
1: Well, I know exactly what it means because I've had six kids and I've changed. I think I, at one point I figured out that I changed over 15,000 diapers <laughs> in my life, but, um, when I think of being an infant, uh, um it just means I'm I'm in one sense uh born again and I'm very dependent on the Father uh for understanding and doing life whereas I hate to say my previous Christian life, but, but the my previous perspective on living the Christian life was one that often exuded uh, leadership and confidence and a sense of direction and almost as if I knew what God wanted because I read about it in God's word. And so I tried to be very loyal and obedient and all of those things, not realizing that uh, maybe in the inner man I was pretty independent pretty uh, self-willed self-directed and often assumed that my direction was God's direction that my feelings were God's feelings on a matter and and perhaps even that if I felt something uh, that, that was God communicating to me and I've I've since uh, come full circle and realized. I think I got most of that wrong. I know that my father in heaven certainly understood, you know, my my phase of life back then and worked within it and so forth. I get that. So I'm not condemning my past. It's just that I am approaching my spiritual walk with God in a far different way, kind of from an infant idea of um, not looking too far ahead, just looking at the toys in front of me and being happy to play with those (laughs) and um, uh, being kind of aware that I'm safe and secure in the Father's nearness, that he's always watching me. I don't have to go very far to know that uh, he's there. Um, Knowing that all that I need, I'm complete in him, is right there. And so I, I think... The other thing I, I recognize about infants and young children is that unless they have a poopy diaper or they're hungry, for the most part, they're pretty happy.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, I have I don't think I've ever been as happy as I am right now in mm. this stage of my life, um, even though I'm still dealing with a lot of the same territory, the same challenges, same stresses. Um Perhaps not to the intensity that I was, but um, discovering different tools in the spirit that God has given um, to handle life, to do life. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it it does to a degree. And and I resonate with what you're saying when it comes to that idea of dependence. And that is a posture. That is – exactly what I'm hoping that we're going to convey tonight when we talk about postures and practices and how they lead to healing. So one of the things that as I'm explaining how I resonate with what you're saying, Chris, I would love for you and, and hopefully anyone who's listening to think about is, is the question of how do the right, postures maybe the word right isn't exactly um where i i want to say like there's right and wrong but just the idea of of yeah i don't know any better way of saying it and i don't like the idea of saying right but certain postures we're always in in a relationship with somewhat someone, someone as you grow in intimacy with this person with that person you learn what they like you learn their preferences you begin right. to be able to um without them having to tell you intuitively understand oh this person wouldn't like this for a christmas present or or whatever sure. or if i did this this person wouldn't like this And so that maybe is the context that I'm talking relational rightness, not, not saying you're, you're doing something wrong, but what would that person's preferences be? And, and, and in a way that would pleasing, please them more so than maybe, maybe they like this, but if I do it this way, it's going to be even more pleasurable for them. And this is where I'm going with this, is the idea of postures and practices is a relational thing. It's a way for us to walk in deeper intimacy with God. And how does that help us? How does growing to understand the postures and practices that God enjoys more help us heal that that that's kind of where I want to what I want to talk about I want to talk about some very specific things when it comes to postures and practices that we're learning on the journey that are helping us relate to God more intimately and how Mm -hmm. we're experiencing healing in that as we walk this out and I want to be clear on this too that one thing and this is a posture a posture for me and is, is the same as what you're saying Chris is um, is the idea that idea of infant or in my case the posture that I'm seeing more and more is the the idea of uh, of a child okay and both of those relate to the idea of being a student that we admit that there's we have so much to learn. Someone very wise in my life recently within the last six months said, if we're, if we're growing, we're always a student. If okay. you want to grow, then you must place yourself in a posture of learning. You, you must place yourself, even the things that we know or think we know, we can grow into deeper understanding." Uh, how many truths in when I in the scriptures and when I say scriptures I mean the Bible. Um, but I, I like to call them the scriptures. Maybe it makes me sound more mystical. Who knows? Maybe to my ear it makes me sound more mystical. But when I when I talk about the scriptures, how many times? And Chris, this is you know also not necessarily a rhetorical question. So you can chime in. But how many times? have i read a passage in scripture and learned about it and 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 connected with it at some level only to find as i've gone through the years deeper understanding through life experiences through my journey through my pain uh, a deeper richer fuller understanding there's so many more layers to, to each passage and finding finding myself in a place where that those certain passages I've known and connected with have a, a richer meaning than they okay. did ten years ago or five years ago or even a year ago. Right. Is that is that true of you as well?
1: Absolutely. It's. Um, I remember a long time ago. I. I I was teaching a class and uh, I don't I had been thinking about how the how God's word is is living it's dynamic it's not static or neutral or dead but why is it dynamic why is it able to breathe life no matter what uh, what uh, part of life we're in or what phase we're in and uh, the thought occurred to me that it was like an illustration where the Word of God was kind of dangling in the middle of the room, and, and all of us are sitting in a circle around it. And we all, if we were to describe it or draw the Word of God, we would all draw it differently.
0: From different uh, based, angles.
1: From different angles. And so then I thought, well, what if we were to dangle God's promise, one of God's promises in the middle of the room, based on our different angle, how would it look? And uh, and we kind of did an exercise like that, and everybody had a different perspective on that. And then I realized that I viewed that particular promise differently ten years ago than I did today.
0: Hmm. And I
1: realized that's how living God's word is. It it never ceases. It it is always producing fruit somewhere in in someone, um, and. And I think probably infinitely so. In other words, it actually has the capacity to bring infinite meaning uh, as we as we grow in our walk with God.
0: So. Yeah, and that's that's such a great picture in my mind as I I look at it. Is yeah, like when you go into to a. Uh, basically maybe a college class. I'm thinking of some of the college classes I was in where you're painting something and you're everyone's coming at it from a different perspective, seeing it right. from a different angle as you're surrounding this object in the middle of the table or whatever. And so even as you say that, Chris, when it comes to this idea of postures and practices, starting with postures, when Jesus talks about, as recorded in the account of his life that Matthew records in chapter five of that, Matthew uh, talks or writes down Jesus's words that he says, blessed are the poor in spirit
3: mm-hmm.
0: for theirs is the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. And in that context, for me, the deeper richer idea of, of poor, being poor in spirit is a posture uh-huh. It's a posture of what you're saying to be an infant, to be yeah. a child, is to acknowledge poverty, is to acknowledge that in my own power, I I don't have what I need. I am incomplete in myself. I need, God is the only one. And we talk about God uh, being perfect, which is yeah. another word for complete. And we all, in some ways, feel our inadequacy. And the problem with that is that our inadequacy often leads to insecurity. And so we do things out of that sense of inadequacy to prove ourselves adequate.
3: Mm -hmm. But the Mm -hmm. reality
0: is we were made from the beginning, from the beginning, I just want a little I just went a little uh Appalachian there.
1: Southern or something
0: yeah <laughs> from the beginning, we were made incomplete, inadequate, yeah go back to Genesis chapters one through three that describe the beginning of all things, and man there was a tree called the tree of life put in the garden for man to eat from and this whether. Whatever you look at that you know as an actual thing, which I do believe it was, there's also symbolism to that, sure, and the symbolism is this tree is an acknowledgement that life is not found in me apart from outside of me. I have to find it, right I am incomplete, and it's only when man eats from the other tree, the knowledge of good uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil do does our Awareness of our inadequacy and incompleteness leads to insecurity. And so take the picture of Jesus says, this is the greatest among you. And he puts a child in their midst. The child doesn't have insecurity over their sense of inadequacy. There is a posture of poverty of a spirit that a kid acknowledges that he needs his parents. And this is the, for me, the posture that is helping me heal from a lot of wounds, especially from my childhood, where I didn't feel safe. Uh-huh. I didn't feel secure in my family growing up after a certain point. And, um, and this, going back to now to understand how, how safe I am, how poor I am and safe I am at the same time, that because I have a father, because my identity is now not in who I was to my family of origin, but it is to who I am, my identity of who I am to my father in heaven that goes beyond my family of origin, that has an origin before that. They were the vessels to bring me into the world, but the Father, God the Father, is the originator. And in that place, in that relationship as his child, his beloved child, I am incomplete, but I am safe to come to him in my poverty and experience his completeness. And in that posture, there is so much healing because as the picture in my mind is the posture I place myself in is to see myself as this little child with this chubby little kid hand, you know, still the baby fat on there, sliding my hand into my father's hand. Uh And when I feel inadequate and I feel insecurity and anxiety over that, because I don't know what the heck I'm doing, right? And I don't know what I'm doing right now in this show. I'm only doing this because I really believe God called me to do this. And it is not something, you know, I know what, what to do in this but in these moments where i begin to feel distinct anxiety and insecurity over my inadequacy the posture i'm learning to take more and more is found in the richness of Jesus' words blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and as a child of that kingdom as a child of the king and slide my little hand Into mm-hmm. my father's hand In my, my imagination And ask him I need you to walk me through this Right and, and, I, and I In that moment of that posture What comes out of that Is that blessing that Jesus talks about Is a sense of his completeness Overwhelming my incompleteness mm-hmm. And that posture is powerful It's healing I find the opposite true. When I have to take it on my shoulders, when I have to take control, when that becomes my posture, that I have to figure it out. Those words really stick with me now. When somebody says, oh, I have to figure it out, that to me is a posture of placing all of what is actually God's domain on my shoulders back on my shoulders, and that weight will crush me. I don't have, those are burdens he's never asked me to carry. There are things that are outside of my domain that are always going to be outside of my, uh, out of my pay grade. If I start worrying about the future, I'm so poor. I do not have the past anymore. I do not have the future. All I have is the gift of right now, which is why it's called the present it is a present to me and the minute I start worrying about what's outside of my domain if I start worrying about the past and what I've done or I start worrying about the future and making decisions trying to figure out what the results are going to be I have now stepped outside of my out of my pay grade I have now gone into what is really God's domain and I'm trying to take control of that and that's where in anxiety and worry come in I'm learning in that posture of being a child to recognize when anxiety comes into me and go, wait, stop. Why am I anxious right now? And the posture of being a child helps me recognize when I'm not walking in that.
1: Right. Right. Do you remember uh, last week um, we talked about how your family of origin was different than mine? Yes. And yours created an this sense of inadequacy and my family of origin created confidence and, uh, a sense of capacity that I could do anything I put my mind to my heart to. And as you were talking about, um, the garden of Eden, uh, what came to my mind, you said something very interesting. You said, you know, that, um,
0: well, thank you for that. I want to be interesting. That's, that's uh,
1: um, not only, uh, uh, you talked not only about the inadequacy that is within us already because of our dependence on the tree of life. You know, the ex- we have an external need, so we were already made that way. But then when you, when, Adam and Eve took the fruit. They became aware of their inadequacy, and um, I thought, what's interesting to me, at least from my perspective or from from my frame of reference, is that what also took place was not only inadequacy, but the lie, the temptation was that I don't need God, that um, I can take care of my own needs. I can take care of my own inadequacy. Um, and I don't I don't need to be dependent on God and um, and so to take that, you know the idea of being poor in spirit um, from my Family of origin and development was um, the need to the need to empty myself from my independence, from my sense of adequacy that mm. I had uh, toward a direction of humility and And what's interesting is that whether you're coming from your direction or my direction, when we filter our experiences through scripture we both end up at the same finish line yes isn't that interesting we uh, it it doesn't really matter what perspective you are dealing with when when god is dealing with us and when he's done with us we all still end up in the in uh, hopefully the completed image of christ you know being formed into his image regardless of whether we came into life feeling confident and conquering the world or inadequate and unable,
0: you know? So there's a beautiful picture of that. When we see Moses, who was the leader of, of Israel, leading them out of slavery in Egypt, when that call comes to him, he had, he has lived 40 years in the desert, after after a period of time where he was a prince in Egypt, and knew that he was called to be a leader of his people, and tried to do it himself, right? He, and and it went m- miserably, terribly bad for him, and and in fact ended up in murder. Him committing murder, and here forty years. Um, being out in the wilderness, having a wilderness experience where he was the only people he was, or the only things he was leading were sheep for 40 years. And then he has this experience where this burning bush happens and he he sees, he experiences a, a moment where he knows he's in the presence of God. And God tells him, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. And in that moment, that command to take off his sandals more and more what I'm I'm seeing there even there is a posture of of poverty of walking carefully because every step you take has to be governed if you want it it doesn't have to be but God invites you in in, you and me and everyone else into an intimate moment by moment relationship where we're aware of his presence and how vulnerable we are and how poor we are and how needy we are for him to take us by the hand. And for Moses to walk among those rocks and sharp plants and everything else, it was, he had to walk carefully in the presence of God in every moment.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. It was yeah. the
0: same thing. It was it was coming to like you said. The scripture gives it brings us both to this place from whatever direction we come in. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's not just a um, a Sunday only experience. Um, or when I'm with the church community experience, um, this is something. Uh, that can be if we're willing a god is offering um for every step of every day to be informed by him and by the counsel of his will um and and it's just um i think a little sad that so many believers because of our culture and our church culture particularly in america and i would imagine in europe and and even in parts of Africa where, where the modern church (laughs) exists, that there sometimes is a culture that, that only an experience with God can happen in a community experience Hmm. um, and not in an alone on a mountain top experience. It doesn't even have to be a mountain top. It could be a Valley experience, um, you know, that was, I think, the, the, the challenge for, say, someone like David is that, you know, David certainly experienced tremendous highs with the Lord and seeing fantastic victories um, with God's power and God's people. But the valleys, God met him in the valley of failure. God mm-hmm. met him yeah. <laughs> in the valley of shame and mm. and despair and uh, and those are places that sometimes the church community can't do on a Sunday morning. The church community can't do at a Bible study. sometimes, maybe so, but learning how to be with God, uh, that burning bush, you know, by myself and letting God be there uh, as a father and me as an infant or a child. I don't have to have my life together for God to be there with me. God is there with me. It, I just have to be able to flip on that switch or to, to become aware and be willing to become aware right. of his presence. You know, and that
0: and posture and that's the posture part. And it also what you're talking about outside of church community that we're going to talk about in a moment is where the practices come in. Things we can do to right. help. They're not. They're not. They're integrated. Postures and practices feed off of each other. And we're going to talk about that. But first, I'm sure we're, uh, Annie probably wants to give us some uh some announcements and commercials or at least from her lips if we don't have any recorded because I keep forgetting to ask if we have those recorded
2: um I actually did not see them so <laughs> I'm going to go with it coming out of my mouth so with that being said everybody we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Road to Recovery and Pillars of Franchising on Thursdays. I believe that's also at 5 p.m. or maybe it's at 7 p.m. I should probably look into that. <laughs> so we, we, we have that one too. That's every yeah. week as well. And we're obviously on on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. So feel free to join in any time. And we'd like to thank Linked Local Network for letting us be a part of their show
1: so does that mean then if we are at 7 Pacific Standard that means people in like Colorado and Arizona and that we're actually on at 8 and then people in Alabama and Wisconsin and places we're on at 9 and then somewhere out in the Atlantic we're on at 10 is that what that means?
2: Sure. I am going to go with I'm from Arizona and we didn't have daylight savings time. So this time thing really confuses me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Arizona time
2: is the right time.
1: Right. And in Hawaii, we are on at, it would be four o'clock in the afternoon. How about Mm. that?
0: I like that. Yeah. Right at drive time, right? Traffic. (laughs) <laughs> and listen to us in the car on the way home. Beauty. So Annie, do we have anybody? Has anyone do we see anyone in um the comment section? Has anyone dropped in and said hi? Do we have any questions? Um,
2: no comments or chats yet. Um we do have a couple of people listening. But okay. we'll see if they have any
0: comments and I'll get back to you on that. All right. Just to to reiterate on that. You you can call in to ask a question at 323-580-5755 or you can go on to the blogtalkradio.com website which most likely is where you're listening to us and you can click on the comment section there and we would love to hear your thoughts. We would love for you to pop a question even if you don't feel like you, you want to be necessarily on the air Um, you know, through the phone, you can throw a a question there. We would love to hear your thoughts on those things.
2: And there is a live chat on there that I'm chatting with people on if they want to talk to us.
0: And she's way more interesting than Chris or I, at least for me, I can't speak for Chris. Chris is very interesting, but she's way more interesting than I am.
1: For sure. Very good. I think so.
0: I definitely
2: pretend to be. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Chris. So we yeah. talked about postures or attitudes is another word for it just to to make it maybe more accessible. How, how what are some practices that that you do that help you in coming or or coming to that understanding of that posture of being an infant of being dependent or Mm -hmm. growing in that, remembering that, reminding you of that because we all need, we all need that. right? Right. I, at least I know I do. I need reminding every day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, There's lots of things that a person could do.
0: I'm talking about you. I know. Okay. But
1: I'm trying to get there.
0: Okay. Um,
1: But there's something that I think in the background needs to be readdressed. It needed to be readdressed in my life. Um, Okay, so for me being a pastor and teaching – uh constantly and even in my current job teaching the bible every day i teach the bible every single day uh, sometimes for 15 minutes sometimes for an hour doing lots of writing and things like that but in what what i'm learning now is that i think for me i used the bi i i somehow equivocated Having knowledge of the Bible with spiritual growth,
3: hmm.
1: or or having information, and then, I mean, we always had application. But looking at uh, looking at my life now, I realize I don't know that I took the application as far as I should have. In other words, I always looked at application from the scripture as, okay, the Bible says to be more loving, so what loving thing am I going to do today? Okay, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to smile at someone. I'm going to uh, show more interest and ask them a question about their life or their family, something along that line. In other words, I always thought that spiritual growth was just obedience and doing. But, over the course of many years, I am especially, especially in the last five years, I'm learning that spiritual connection with God is really a heart matter before it's a doing matter. So when we talk about practices and postures, and I think it this probably lays into the posture part, but um, I kind of think of it as a very important link to practice and that is that the things that you do have to be familiar with the things that Jesus has taught you do have to be familiar with the things that uh, his apostles taught Uh, they're inspired by God so so the things that they teach are the things God wanted taught but you but for me I have to make the connection at the heart first before I do the do. (laughs) And, um, I think I missed that most of my life. And it's more than just what does this mean to me? It's, it's actually getting at why am I doing this? Um, so the command is to love and I get why I'm supposed to be loving because God loved me. God loved me first. But, what I be, really begin to reflect on is how come there isn't love in my heart? that is mm-hmm. how come there isn't the the affection? Why isn't that there? And so a lot of my reflections um, at this stage in my life for me to grow goes goes kind of behind the scenes or the backstory of obedience, getting to my heart position my heart posture of um i know we've been talking about humility or listening or things like that but but really asking questions like what is it that's preventing me from obeying with a wholeheartedness with an uncompromising heart when i undergo temptation and i fail Rather than just soaking up the shame or the guilt or the self-condemnation, actually asking the question, Why did I fail? Why did I value my relationship with God less at that moment than I did ten minutes earlier? Or why did this tempt why did I respond to this temptation? What is in other words, this is how I'm using the scriptures because when I start asking those questions when I'm familiar with with the words of Jesus or the words of the apostles or even the Old Testament historical, uh, you know, narratives, I come to a much better place and a better answer to, for lack of a better word, fix the things in my heart. And and I think that is the counsel and guidance of the Holy Spirit. He's taking me beyond just simple obedience because the doing is important but why am i doing and how am i doing it and why am i not doing it all the time are really important questions to me that i reflect on quite a bit and i'm trying to steer away from the condemnation and the guilt and the shame because there is no more condemnation in christ Mm -hmm. so if god has taken away my condemnation then if i'm beating myself up number 1 i shouldn't be because number 2 god is there saying hey let's get back in the race here okay yes you fell yes you sinned yes you maybe even rebelled and you did this just out of testing testing my love for you you know something like that but god is still there saying okay so fix that why did you do that you know, I, I know I'm just spouting things, but but uh, those are the things that that ricochet in my mind all the time.
0: And, and I appreciate those. In fact, what it brings me back to is even the questions that you're asking in your mind. I would go a step a step um I don't want to say deeper but uh, another step into that is as what as far as I'm learning is to ask those questions of God right inviting like that moment of Moses before yeah. the presence of God taking every step carefully in God's presence the whole idea is again if I'm out for me personally and this is uh, and I want to be clear this is what I see for myself is if I'm asking myself those questions, why am I doing this? I am still trying to figure it out on my own versus, and I don't think this is what you're saying, Chris, but I yeah, want to be it's clear. Not, that's not, I used right. to do that. <laughs> right. So what you're saying and what, what well, I think you're saying, and, what, and is what I am saying is that I invite, this is an invitation me slipping in my imagination, slipping my hand, my little chubby kid hand, into God's hand, and asking yeah. Him to walk me through it is is then yes. the begin is the invitation to lead me in the process of thinking through God. Why am I asking Him those questions? And even if yeah. I am saying it in my mind, why am I doing that? Why am I feeling this? Why am I thinking this? It is all of those are actually questions I'm asking the Holy Spirit I'm asking God the Father and I, that's what you're saying right
1: yes yeah it's it's um well like I just went through this the other day um, where I I did something and and I knew it was wrong <laughs> and I shouldn't do it but I did it anyway and so, you know, the, the initial question is, gosh, why did you do that? Okay, I got it. But it also opened up the whole platform of, um, you know, challenging there is no condemnation. And, and the reason it challenged it is because I thought to myself, okay, I've been in this failure position, you know, thousands of times on all kinds of temptations. But this time it was a little different because I began to think, was I just testing God just to see if he would still love me? Hmm. And I don't know that I got a firm answer on that, but the more that I reflected on that, Kurt, I came up with something very weird. (laughs) So maybe, maybe you need to correct me. But... You know, I've had to counsel a number of, uh, you know, spouses who were suffering abuse, you know, physical abuse in, in, from the husband. And when I would offer a safe haven place through an organization or something like that, it was a very difficult decision for them, for the spouse to make, the victimized spouse. Because they uh, they loved their they loved their husband or whatever you know and if you know anything about these these kinds of uh, abusive relationships is that the the reason that they stay together oftentimes is because the one who perpetrated the violence will then come in and apologize profusely and love on that person, and cry, and say, you know, I'm so sorry, honey, blood, you know, all of those kinds of things, and of course, the victim softens, and is drawn into that relationship again, okay, it's it's the super unhealthy codependent kind of thing, and the thought occurred to me that when I When I did this little act of rebellion, I'm going to do this, I wondered if I was not operating in the same way Hmm. of kind of uh, abusing God. That is to say, um, I I knew that I could come to God with sincere brokenness and tears, and I knew that he would accept me in again into the relationship. Do you see how weird that is? Yeah. It's a strange little parallel, but I I found myself kind of the one victimizing my own relationship with God by participating in this, you know, uh, independent streak (laughs) and doing something that is not, it's not righteous. And um, and then when I thought about that, I also had this immediate understanding that God was saying, Chris, you do understand I don't condemn you and I never will. <laughs> mm. And that caught me off guard. I don't condemn you and I never will. Oh, and then the next thought that – I imagined in my scenario was God saying, "You know, you can throw whatever sin you want at me, um, and uh, um, and I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to forgive you." It looks like we have a call. Do we? Yes. Yes. Go for it.
0: No, that was great. I I was just getting, just letting you wrap that up because that's a great thought. All of that. Okay. okay. And the difference between, I'll just say this, and then we'll go into, if we do, Annie, do we still have a call? Okay. The difference in, in those scenarios that you explained between the the marriage where there's somebody that is abusing and someone who's a victim of that and us and God is that he is never, he, he will never have uh, that sense of powerlessness. God yes. never has that. We do. Yeah all of yes. us when we're hurt by someone can yes. go through a sense of being the victim be, yes it will be. it can become our identity that we're the victim yeah. or that we're powerless and God and never did, has that god what never it did
1: for them. me is is that when i when i felt like god was saying no matter what you do chris uh, i'm not going to condemn you you know what my response was in that moment was well then what the heck am I doing? In other words, why am I doing this? Right. If there's not if I know that I'm never gonna be condemned, well then Chris, just put away the bad behavior. Yeah. Just put it away. Don't you have no need to do it again. You know, it's kinda like the little boy who's always testing the limits of mom and dad's authority, you know they draw a line and then i put my foot over and i <laughs> i tap across the line well if i know that my parents are never going to condemn me well then that takes all the fun out of it there's there's no there's no reason to rebel okay well there's more but to I it think should, uh, take care I, of this call
0: i have now i have to come in on that
1: oh, well, save more, it. can you save it
0: there's more no because i want to this i'll just say this there's more to it than the need to rebel there. There was a study done years ago uh, with kids on a playground and they were always climbing the fence. They're always going to the edge of the boundary that was placed there. Right. Yeah. Uh, so recess and they have, there's a fence around the yard and the kids are climbing that fence and you know, the teachers and teachers aid are having to pull them down or tell them to get down so they did a study to say, hey, what would happen if we took that fence away? And what happened was when they took the fence away, the kids huddled in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of climbing fences and pushing boundaries is to yeah. know, are we safe?
1: Right. Yeah. Are we That's safe? That's a huge adoption thing, too. Yeah.
0: And so when God says, when we push boundaries and God doesn't act like a victim, like victim mentality is to condemn and judge because that's what we're experiencing. And we, yeah. we, and when we are secure in a relationship with God, we are able to love other people in a way we can't when we are all we're hearing is condemning and judgmental thoughts. And so when people push, boundaries and we are secure in our relationship with God and we are hearing how much we love, are loved, we are able to express that and allow them to feel safe yeah. even when they're yeah. pushing boundaries and eventually they will get the message that they're safe. Okay. Annie. Hit us with it.
3: Who do we have Hello, on,
1: on the line?
3: Amen, amen. Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My name is Pastor Don Jr., CEO. And uh, I want to ask a question. You guys seem like y'all are very deep in the Word. um, And this this is a really strong question because the the subject title just blew me away. Uh, Do y'all feel that um, we as a people have lost our way in values with all the social media? Because back in the day, when we would walk past people, we say hello, and you had to put on a white shirt to eat dinner at the table. And that's when we was, that's when we, as a family, <laughs> would talk about what's going on. Now everything is microwave. I mean, you <laughs> if you wanted to watch a Cosby show, you had to wait to next week to see what's going on. Now you that's can sit right. down on Sunday and watch it all in one clean sweep. So, how do you feel that the social media plays a role getting us away from the Bible? Go, Kurt.
0: Okay. Thank, yeah. Thank you for that question. And can you, would you mind saying your, your first name again? I want, I just want to make sure I, I hear correct. I'm hearing correctly.
3: It's, it's Pastor Don Jr. CEO, D-O-N-J-R-C-E-O, Chief Executive okay. Officer. <laughs> okay.
0: Awesome. <laughs> I love that. So I, I think that, and I'm no expert, I'll, I'll say that, but from my experience, um, being on social media. I think what it does is ex- exacerbates the problem, amplifies the problem that we already have. And that in, in one aspect, and there's multiple aspects to this, but one aspect I'll say is, again, we go back to this idea where Jesus talked about, you know, out, out of the, the the over, you know, the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart, Right. And so when someone is is hearing and listening to condemning self-talk or the enemy, the lies of the enemy telling them they're trash and they're human garbage and they're mm-hmm. judging everything they do and constantly bringing up their mistakes and failures, that that spirit of accusation and condemnation that they're listening to flows out of their mouth, right? And, w- and when we are so connected now, online, it is so much easier to let that spill out in a place where I'm not face to face with you. And so the bullying, the cyber bullying, and the ability to crit- criticize other people is ramped up. Like you talked about, you know, you had to say hello, you had to be at the table, you had to be across from a person. It's much harder for most of us to yeah. to spill that out in those kind of settings than it is yeah. in the you know anonymity of online and social media, so I think that's one thing that it's done is create a a much easier avenue for us to to as we say nowadays throw shade right on each other. And in a a way that now exacerbates the problem because if it's much easier to criticize another person, that hurts when people say those things. And now that hurt brings, you know, leads me to have to, to work through that. And if I don't work through it, then I am, I'm, then I am acting and reacting out of that place of hurt more than I realize, which now I'm going to write stuff online and creates this whole, saying this whole you know echo chamber does yeah. that make sense
3: yeah, it makes a lot of sense it makes yeah. a whole lot of sense and so I, I got one Dougal. more question
0: i'm gonna yeah, move go out the
3: way i got one more question now Probably. i up for president in 2024 and because i lived in 40 out of 50 states and i preached for the last 14 years i was say when i was 10 but I never knew that becoming a Christian was going to be as hard as it is. And the more that I knocked on doors going across the world to meet everybody, uh, I have got into more of a universal church feel. But how do you feel about the different denominations and the different faiths splitting us up? I, I feel personally like the Tower of Babel. We all have one dialect, and God it sounded For us not to be on the same page But with all these different denominations Sometimes we get lost in the religiousness And we forget about the spirit of God How do you feel about that?
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: That's right Well you know uh, Don It's interesting the word denomination Literally means to divide And name And uh, I don't know that it was ever God's intent That there would be all These different denominations But on the other hand, just to counterbalance that, you know, probably in 100% of the cases, the reason that there are so many divisions is because at some point in every church community, there's been false teaching or heresy or uh, the enemy gets gets involved with some of the believers and, and creates a division. And it can lead to uh, people compromising the truth, the the truth of, of God's word, compromising uh, what what is God's essential revelation of himself. And over a period of time, people then have to say, you know what, this is getting away from God. This is getting away from God's word. So they divide and they get back to the Bible. They get back to the original teaching. And so... That's, that's a significant uh, reason why there are so many denominations, and uh, I, unfortunately, as a pastor, I've had to uh, be a part of or see at least two church splits, um, but those, you know, I would have to say that one of those church splits was over uh, stupidity,
0: <laughs> <laughs> idiotness,
1: okay, it was personality conflict. Um, it was people not getting along. Uh, but on the other hand, the split was over something that was actually leading people away from uh, from the truth. And and in my mind, that that was something that needed to, needed to happen. And we're seeing okay. a lot of that today because we see large denominations who are assimilating the teachings of the world, the values of the world, and many of the believers that are in those large mainline denominations are going, no, 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 this isn't what the scriptures teach. This is not what God, Jesus, or the apostles taught. And so a decision ultimately needs to be made to either break away, split from, and get back to the word. And uh, so in one sense, I think the divisions have to happen, But some of the divisions that do happen, like over a piano bench placement or what color the paint is on the wall,
3: those (laughs) kinds of things are
1: unacceptable, I think, in in God's eyes. But there are some legitimate divisions that need to take place. They really need to take place. And when you talk about the universal church, I think you got it right, Don. That is, in every denomination, there are fully devoted believers of God fully devoted believers to Jesus and uh, and you're going to find them in the, in in every mainline denomination okay but we we're not the judge we can't say who is and who isn't you know it's kind of a tares and and wheat kind of deal so our job is really to uh to be about uh be about the faith and love others okay teach what the scriptures teach the best that we can. So
0: anyway, brother, I'm glad glad you called. called. I I wanted to say one thing on that and maybe a a little bit of a different perspective um, is that I think another thing, even with the different denominations would also be that we as people are very unique in our personalities. And there there are groups of people that take on a, a culture because they share a similar view and personality of things. And God is very complex in, in who he is. And all of us as humans reflect some aspect of God's complexity. We all, all of us, our personalities, our, our, our bents, our views of things, our, our preferences, our enjoyments, our likes, and dislikes all have an an aspect of reflecting god like the sun ref- the moon reflects the sun right and so if people as individuals are unique and diverse then couldn't there be an aspect of different church communities and even different denominations that reflect Different aspects of those individuals that they are drawn into a certain way of worship. Uh, th- 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 that say, like I, my sister, loves going to the Catholic Church because the worship there is quiet. And still, and she is a person who's always on the go. Her mind is always moving. And when she comes into an aspect of worship, she wants stillness and quiet versus going to a church like many that I've been where the music is loud and pounding. That does not help her enter into God's presence. So, and and not to say there isn't, differences in what the Catholic Church would view uh, as truths than I would view, I'm not saying that, but there is an aspect of that, even in our disagreements, there's that idea of in the essentials, unity, right, and then the non-essentials, help me Chris, liberty,
1: or liberty and, and in all, and in things, all love.
0: things love. And yeah. so, yeah, I would say there are dis- definitely disagreements and different things. But the the important thing is unity and love. And if they have the foundational foundational things right, whatever denomination that is, then even if we disagree on things, can be unified even in our divisions, right? And a yeah. perfect example, I think, is I'm part of a pastor prayer group of different guys and different churches that get together here where I am and pray together monthly. We put aside all of our differences and we come before the feet of the father as children, as brothers and sisters, and we pray together in his presence. And I have never in my life seen a unified universal church and all of the denominations that pray together. Like I've seen here, it is an incredibly powerful experience. Yeah. And, and, and they, there's aspects of worship that I wouldn't uh, necessarily enjoy. in some of those churches, but I enjoy those guys and those women. I enjoy praying with them. I enjoy being with them. And I have, I've, Seeing the love of God in them in some of my darkest moments. So, anyway, I hope that helps with that question. Annie, did we have somebody else? Okay, okay. Um, so, Chris, I want to go back. I want to rewind a little bit, go back in time. I'm thinking of Huey Lewis and the News from back to the future there. So, I'm going to go back in time, and I can't sing. So, that's my daughter's job. Um, And your job, Chris. So when you were talking about the questions and you were talking about this maybe falls into more postures than practices. Mm -hmm. What I would say is that it is actually, it stems from a posture, but asking those questions is a practice. Yeah. It is a practice to invite God into the your thinking process, and that I would say in, in practices maybe that was helping me think through this a little bit as you were talking that there is a difference between proactive practices and reactive practices,
3: uh-huh.
0: and the the proactive practices help us to remember. God and invite Him into the, those kind of moments when those those reactive practices are needed. Like the, what you were sharing was a reactive practice of realizing something yeah. is going on in me in this moment, and I need to bring God into it. Ask Him the questions: Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? And this is as this is the practice reactively of of at least doing what Jesus, I believe what Jesus said in revelation three where it says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone will invite me in, I will eat with him and he with me. And this is that, that ancient idea of sitting around a table was, was the inviting of relationship of you're bringing these people into your house to have an ongoing relationship with them. And, mm-hmm. In those reactive practices, you're inviting Jesus to the table of your mind and your heart, um, sharing your feelings, sharing your thoughts in a safe environment. That's a reactive practice. What are some proactive practices you do on a continual basis daily, weekly, maybe monthly, yearly, that help you keep the posture and the reactive practices going, the posture of being an infant, the the posture of being a child and be, keeping uh, holding of his hand. What are some, some uh-huh. of those practices that you, that you proactively engage in and pursue and uh-huh. carve time in your schedule as a great, great author would say, uh, Eugene Peterson would say this you place the stones of those practices or stones, you place them in the river of your calendar so that they flow around them. What are the stones you place?
1: Well, um, I actually have a few. I won't name them. I won't name all the things that I do, but, uh one of the critical things that I do every morning is before I get out of bed, I I don't get out of bed. <laughs> that is to say I I wake up and before my feet touch the floor, I remind myself of important truths that are going to inform my day. Um which would include, you know, being a child of God, being uh, a bond servant. In other words, preparing to be the kind of person I want to be today, because in my job, I have, I am going to be meeting lots and lots of people. And, and they don't need my, they don't need to hear my struggles. They need they're already in a world of struggle in my job, so they need uh lots of encouragement, strength um, and and uh so before I get out of bed i make a i make a, a and this I do this every single day, every single mm. day um, and sometimes I can be in bed for a half hour um, in prayer. Uh, reflecting before my feet get busy. Um, I am in the word, I'm in the word every day, but usually that's for study. But um, I make a point every, every day, usually when I get home from work um, and after I've had a meal that I usually will spend about another hour uh, just in prayer. Not reading the word necessarily. Um, I don't know if you found this true, uh, Kirk, but, you know, when you when you're a pastor, you're you're pretty familiar with what's in the word. And so <laughs> unless you're in a pattern of, you know, uh, going through the Bible regularly, which I am, but it's not devotionally. I don't do that devotionally. Um But uh, I do spend time in devotion with the Lord, reflecting on either a scripture or a truth or or something along that line. On a larger practical level, I just finished a year-long fast from the news. Oh, wow. And so... For a whole year, I didn't listen to any news on radio, TV, or, uh, nor did I read any on the computer. I got rid of all the sites. The only news I was allowed was any news that uh, I heard uh, the people uh, talking around me, and, and I would eavesdrop. <laughs> okay? Mm. Um, and I tell you, that opened up a uh, a huge amount of internal space in, in my mind and in my heart. Um, I was always finding out about tragedies two weeks later or some big world event a month later, (laughs)
0: Um,
1: you know, and, and I realized those big things did not affect my life at all,
0: Hmm.
1: but the world communicates to me that those things are really important for my life. It's like what Pastor Don was talking about, you know, how the social media and the meat and internet media kind of, uh, not only make, you know, gives a McDonald's menu for all of life, uh, which is very fast food, or it gives us, uh, uh, you know, there's a restaurant that has a million things on it, on its menu. Um, but, uh, we're force-fed into thinking that we need what the world has, that we need this information in order to live, survive, uh, to to feel like we have significance. And I discovered in that year, wow, I have so much more time to think about the Lord, to think about life. Uh, I actually had a lot more time Internally, to begin some um, uh, outreach, personal outreaches to people that I was uh, getting involved in. That I don't hmm. know that I would have had the emotional wherewithal to do had I still been caught up in all the politics and all the trauma that's out there in the world. Hmm. So, anyway, that's that's my approach.
0: I I was I was going to. Ask you wanted to make sure I I was hearing correctly when you talked about two different things and I'm going to leave this with you to think about an answer while we go to Annie here for any for a commercial break and uh, let her give us again the people that uh, we want to be supporting but first before we do that you mentioned. Studying the Bible, and you mentioned reading it devotionally. So the uh-huh. question I have is, for you, Chris, for you personally, what are the differences, if any, in those two things? Uh-huh. And um, and then and think about that for a moment, and we'll uh, we'll go to <laughs> to Annie.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Go.
0: So you're trying
2: to tell me. That I need to be prepared with the times this time and find them before I go ahead with this. (laughs) Because I forgot to look that up last time. Oh, I found. We're good, guys. We're good. We're good. We got this. So we have the Road to Recovery on Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The Pillars of Franchising on Thursdays at 4 Central Time. Well, that's gonna confuse me. I don't know what time that is. Specific time. <laughs> I found the time, guys. That's all I got for you. And then we are here on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. because we're here. We also want to thank Linked Local Network, as well as wait for it, Elevate Church in San <laughs> though.
0: And we also want to thank. Chris is. thank you.
1: I'm I'm community Assisted Living yes. and Memory Care.
0: And, okay. uh, and before we go off this time, that was something that we definitely need to talk about a little bit before we get off the air, just invite people. If they're going to be in the area, we'll get to that. Um, what Um I love the way you do commercials, Annie. We're either a team on crack or a crack team. I don't know which one it is, but this is fun.
2: I'm here to have fun. I don't know what to tell you. I'm crocheting as you guys talk. I'm not going to lie. I
0: noticed that. Yeah. Okay.
2: I have to make presents for babies. It's not my fault people have babies. Okay. It's not,
0: wait, hold on. It's not your fault people are having babies. Yeah. That's that's a true statement, I I think. Because I'm if it was your fault, notice it
1: takes time for Kurt to process that. Well,
0: <laughs> so I want to make sure I'm understanding things clearly because I am a little child with my hand in God's hand asking him to walk me through things. And as a little your chubby child hand my chubby hand and as a little child it takes time to walk through things. I only my mental capacity are little feet, little child feet. I'm walking as fast as I can go. <laughs> so Ali's here to help. <laughs> I think it's really funny that the person who's confused by um, different time zones is the one giving the times. <laughs> <laughs> we plan this so well. <laughs> hey, I'm good at certain things, all right? I'm good at certain things. You're good at an incredible amount of things all she at the is. same time. And, and I am not, I'm definitely not taking away your, your like, tech master. You're the tech master. If I, If you weren't in my life, I wouldn't know how to do Photoshop. <laughs> but my phone and computers wouldn't be set up properly. Our church, our church online stuff and media stuff wouldn't be right. So y- you are a master at all of that and uh, and much much more. And you employ my daughter, and so I'm very happy <laughs> about all those things. You know, you're
2: making my head a little bit big right now, so. I may need to go deflate it a little.
0: Okay. Well, you don't have to get through any doorways at the moment.
2: That is a good point. Very good (laughs) point. Chris?
0: (laughs) The the question. Do you remember the question? I do. Well, the uh, question was, what was the difference, just to make sure everyone's on the same page?
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of people don't necessarily understand, unless they're always teaching the Bible, that – um you know there there are different ways to teach. Uh, some people teach information and some people teach people. And um, i don't I don't like teaching information. I do like teaching people, which means that I'm trying to translate the Bible, not from Greek to English, but from English to their heart. And um, so in some sense, that is devotional. That is, I'm trying to... We used to say that we're making the scriptures relevant. Well, that's a nice American idea. But when we're talking about devotion, the way I think about translating the scriptures from English to the heart is actually that it would produce an intimate, closer relationship between the father and the children. And uh, so that's how I use devotion. Now, when I am preparing these kinds of lessons, sometimes there's devotion for me, uh, but usually – I am leading people where I've already been, so at least I try to, Um, but I try not to lead people to places where I have not been with the Lord, (laughs) okay? That's what I do privately. That's what I need to work out on my knees or in tears or uh, on thousands of miles of walking, whatever it is, it's, it, you know, we work these things out in our communications with the father. And sometimes I use the scriptures, but sometimes I, I do not. I'm, I'm using what God has given me, uh, information wise, what, what I've learned about my relationship with God and building from there. So devotion has a lot more than just, um, you know, reading the scriptures I do read devotionally from time to time. Um, often I am re- I'm referring to the scriptures to clarify my thoughts. Often I am used, looking for examples for my own life. Like if I'm sensing this or I'm running into this, I'm thinking through all the people I know in the Bible uh, who might have a common experience with me in mm. that. It mm. might be Esther. It might be Hannah or it might be, it might even be a Hezekiah, you know, or somebody who was doing right, but then fell a little bit. You know, it's those, those kinds of things that I do pretty much every day.
0: Hmm. I, for me, when we talk about the daily routine, Mm I, I, I agree with you on, on, and all like well, obviously everything you said that's your personal um, way of of relating. And for me, yeah. the devotional side is I find myself in the season of life I am in in the maturing process in my relationship with God, where I am now. When I was younger, it was always about study. I wanted to understand. Like you said, leading people to where, you know, to understand the relevance of scripture is the devotional aspect. And then there's the right. study. And the study part is to understand what it meant to them in that place and what was the context. And I was always fascinated by that when I was younger. I was fascinated with Bible difficulties and how. Some people uh-huh. say scriptures, like, you know, or each other, right, or, right. all of that stuff was like, I am personally a why kind of guy, I am, if you tell me that, um, that this is the what I have to do, or what the truth, if you don't give me the why behind it, I'm probably not going to listen to you. And I can passive aggressively, like nod my head and act like I'm going to do what, you tell me to do, which is what my father found quite a bit as I, but I would walk away and go, you didn't give me a good why. So I'm not doing it. So like, for instance, one time my father said to me, he knew I was going on a a retreat and there was a girl that I liked that was going there. It was a church retreat when I was in middle school and we both liked each other. And he said, if you touch her, I'll break your arms. Well, that's not a good enough why for me because one, I know he's not really going to break my arms. So, he did not explain his reasoning. He only gave threats. And so I kissed the girl. And so in this case, what I'm talking about is the same kind of thing. I, if I'm going to follow what scripture says, then I need to know the why that's relevant to those people and to me. And that's what I did a lot when I was younger. I studied that way. I I studied books like one that helped me a lot was when critics ask by Norman Geisler, may he rest in peace. Um, That was an incredible book on Bible difficulties and on the critical, on what people would say, why the scripture is weird or doesn't make sense. And what, where did Cain get his wife and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I loved that. Now, having done that for years on my own, uh-huh. I've, I, I've come to a place where I'm more interested in in hearing the voice of God, which is what I right. hear you saying devotionally. Yeah. And so for me, my practice is my, I do have daily practices. I do have weekly practices, monthly and yearly. And my daily practice is um is couched in knowing myself. I, I really believe that to be more aware that's of God. Yeah. To be more aware of God's presence it also means more self-aware. Go I'm a huge Star Wars fan. There's a there's a phrase that comes up a lot with the Jedi. Be mindful. Be mindful of your feelings. Be mindful of that's really just self awareness, right? And if so you, you know, have
1: devotions while you watch Star Wars?
0: Yes, that's. A, okay. you, I just got you got me right <laughs> to where I was going, but <laughs> the the growing self awareness part for me is understanding how God has wired me. Yeah. To relate to Him and it's different from other people. For me, my daily prayer life, I has to be walking because I'm a kinesthetic learner. Even now I'm sitting here, as you can see on video, waving my hands around, tapping things. I was in a meeting today with somebody and they're like, are you tapping on the keyboard taking notes as we talk? I'm like, no, I'm tapping a pen on the desk because when my body is engaged, my mind is engaged. So for me to sit and pray indoors in a chair, I will be asleep in two point zero seconds.
1: Now see that's exactly how I do devotions. I do it with my eyes closed, resting, and and when I wake up in the morning, boy, <laughs> I feel like I have just had the best devotion ever.
0: <laughs> asleep in the arms of Jesus. That's right. <laughs> so Let's for me it. for me, my 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 practice, my daily practice it, revolves around i'm an extrovert so i get my energy extroversion is not about shy necessarily or outgoing it is about where you get your energy from and i get my energy from exterior from outside of myself where my wife is an introvert so she gains her energy from being alone in her thoughts so so what Annie's doing, like crocheting or bee- doing beads or puzzles or, or things like that, by herself re-energizes her. She loves people. They just drain her, right? And for me, people and being exterior, anything, circumstances, things from outside of myself, they give me energy. So to be outside in the early morning without a lot of people around when it's still dark, I'm outside but I feel like I'm still alone with God, so I'm, I'm out in, in, and I'm walking. So my kinesthetic learning and my, and my ex, extroverted nature are being fed as I engage with God. And because my extroversion is where I get my energy from, it is also when I include that in my prayer life, it is a passion. It goes from my prayers hitting a ceiling to a passionate connection with God from where I'm getting my energy from. And that's mm-hmm. a, such an important part of my practice, my proactive practice. Now, as far as the scripture parts, uh, then I come, I, I allow, like, usually I'll I'll read scripture afterward. Sometimes um, if I have a dream, I will journal that dream. I'll write it down before I go on on a walk to see, cause I, I very much am expectant that if I remember a dream, when I wake up that God is trying to speak to me. So another practice I'll do in the morning before I do anything else, if I have a dream, I sit down at the computer and I write down the dream as a story. Then I write down the char- the people in the dream and how I feel about them and what I'm thinking about them, including my own self as a character in the dream. And then I will, um, Somewhere in that, usually a title will just rise up. I won't have to, again, figure it out. God will give me a a title. I've been taught to do this. And I'll write it down. Now, sometimes I'll write, I'll get instantly the meaning of the dream as I'm writing all this down. I'll see what this is all about. And the title usually is a filter for what the dream is about. So I'll write that down. Other times... I don't get a title. I don't get the meaning of the dream. So then I go on my prayer walk, and a part of my praying is asking God to give me the title just to pop it into my head and give me what he's trying to say to me through the dream. Now, so most of the time I don't read scripture. I don't read anything from the Bible until I get back. And I have uh, our church community is together going through a, a devotional, to get, uh, It's called Salt and Light It's by a, an author of, Who I love named Chris Tigreen And I'll read that Like there's a, He'll put one scripture And then a, a whole devotional explanation Of that scripture What I do is when I come back Is I read the whole scripture I hold, read the whole chapter rather That it's in and then i what I do is I pay attention to any phrase, word, or sentence that's really grabbing my attention because I'm really listening, I'm not reading anymore necessarily most of the time for for study, other I'm reading to hear God speak to me. and so I'm paying attention to any. Word or phrase that grabs My attention and I'll write it down I'll just write it down I don't necessarily Need to reflect on it right then But I'll write it down and I'll keep reading The whole chapter then I'll read Whatever he says because I want To read the whole chapter Because I don't want to take it I I want A greater context of what That one verse that is in Chris Tigreen's devotional I want a greater Context of what he's saying Right what the verse is About and then I'll read his after reading the whole chapter, taking down any thoughts, notes that I, you know, of words that I grab my attention, then I will read the devotional and do the same thing. Any paragraph, phrase, um, I will write it down or I'll highlight it in in the book and then write it down later. And then I begin to sit and ask God into that process of what is he saying to me through through the the words that I put down, I'll just start writing things down. Whatever just comes to mind, I'll just start writing and, and letting it flow. It doesn't need to be perfect. I'll just write things down and and allow that writing process to develop what the thought of what was behind, why that grabbed my attention. Now, other times, not all the time, I will do a, a practice That I call scriptural listening prayer, where I will go into reading a chapter or a a certain story, especially in the four accounts of Jesus' life, and I'll read it three times for, for the reason of hearing God directly say something to me. I'll go into it and I'll do this. The first time I read it, I'm looking for that word or phrase. And I, I'll sit in silence for about 60 seconds before I read the scripture. Then I'll read that passage. Usually I, I don't want anything bigger than like 25 verses. 15 to 20 is better. I'll read it, that story, and I'll, I'll note down the word or phrase that caught my attention. The second time through, I'm looking for what's my personal emotional response to what I'm reading. The second time through reading the same passage, maybe in a different ver- version, a translation, I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention. Again, self-awareness and God-awareness are intricately connected. I'll pay attention to my personal emotional response to this verse. What, what am I feeling about what I'm reading personally? Not what are the people feeling. What am I feeling based right. on what I'm reading And then the third time, and then each time I pause for about 60 seconds just to be still and listen to anything God wants to say, which is very important in in prayer, is not just talk, but listen. You know, spend some time asking God questions, open-ended questions is great in prayer, and then spend some time listening. So when I walk, there are times of stillness internally where I'm walking physically, but I am listening. Cause I've asked the question, like you said, what is this? Why am I feeling this way? And then I allow space for God to answer that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So in this, I, 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 after the, the, each time of reading the, when I'm doing scriptural listening prayer, I will, I will spend 60 seconds in silence. Then the third time I read through, I am asking God to give me, a gift. What is he saying to me? What is he trying to invite me into? Or what is he trying to give to me through the scripture? And I'll write that down. And one of the most pivotal moments of my life in the last couple of years was doing that with a couple of other guys. You can do it with other people. And then share what you, you know, uh, after each round, what you got out of it without a lot of explanation. And I was doing it with two college students together and we were in Matthew six. And the words, you know, that jumped out at me was when Jesus said your father in heaven knows you need these things. And the, my emotional response actually was anxiety as I was reading and I and i didn't know why but at that moment i felt anxiety and then the third thing time through it i was asking for a gift or an invitation from god and what he gave me was this invitation let me be your father and i had no idea exactly what that meant so taking that it sometimes it doesn't it doesn't like you can get a clear I, word from god but not know necessarily how it applies and so from that point when i get things like that in the dream or in in this kind of practice then i begin to ask him daily what do you what do you mean by that like i need you to make it clear and i'll keep asking until it becomes clear and i'm still six months later asking god what is, how do i let you be my father and he has been making – there's been so many things in that, layers of of relational filters that I've had with my earthly father that I had no idea was equating to my heavenly father. And how I was hiding my thoughts and feelings from him like I did to protect from my own earthly father that I felt like I had to protect myself because he was always so de- defensive of things. That if I shared my honest opinion of things, he always, it seemed like out of his defensiveness, he attacked those. So I learned to hide my thoughts and feelings. And God began to show me, Kurt, let me be your father, which is a very different kind of father than your earthly father. You can let me into your thoughts and feelings, you can share them with me. So that for me is just such a powerful thing so that's what i do daily um i you know regularly feel it out sometimes i do that scriptural listening prayer sometimes i don't dreams are dependent on if i remember now weekly i take a sabbath day and and here's what i want to explain about my sabbath day very quickly before going on monthly and yearly is when i talk about I'm Sabbath am sure
1: we have enough time to do that though Kurt. <laughs> yes we
0: do we do okay. we have time we have time my, my um, weekly Sabbath is a practice of enjoyment. It's taking a day, doing nothing that drains me, work-wise or anything else, setting those things aside to do the things that enjoy me and be with the people who don't drain me, who, who I enjoy being with. And then I learn, like again, to invite God in to the play. To learn to take, to reach out my hand, and, and to lead him to guide me through that day of enjoyment, playing the games I like to play, watching the movies I like to watch, but being mindful of God's presence with me and inviting Him into that. And it's such like mo- it's back to Moses, before God's presence in the flames. Being careful, even in the, having a good time, to invite God into, into that moment to experience his joy with me, him enjoying me as I'm enjoying life. And right. so that's, that's, my, that's my weekly. My monthly is once a month, I take a day off to go and spend eight hours in prayer. I go hiking. I go out in nature, I be alone with God, silence and solitude. I spend eight hours to tune in to hear God. This is something He's led me in. It's not something I pursued. In fact, I rejected it when he first brought it to me. Well, no, actually, I didn't reject this one. I I began to obey right away, to take a monthly prayer day, eight hours. Um, Some people I know take four hours a month, some because – I take two hours every day now that I've grown into my time with God. Prayer and reading is a two-hour practice. It started out as 10 minutes years ago. So this is not something that you just jump into necessarily. It's a growth that you go through for years. But because I take two hours every morning, I take an eight-hour day. Some people who take 10 minutes might be a monthly thing to take two hours and spend that with God. And then yearly, this is the one that he led me into a few years ago, was to take a, a a few days a year in silence and solitude to be away from people, and everything else to be in God's presence. The first year he brought that to me, I rejected it. I was way too busy, and I thought, and I had a terrible year. Not because, not because, um, I didn't do that. It wasn't because God was punishing me, but the terrible things I experienced, I was ill-prepared to, to to face them because I had not spent that time that God invited me into to, to actually prepare me for the things he knew were coming, the, the tragedies and the heartbreak. And so I was ill-prepared to invite God into it because I hadn't spent what he asked me to do was three days alone with him. So the next year... I said, I'm making sure I'm doing this because I don't want to be, you know, I want to be prepared. So I spent three days on a, on a boat. It was stayed in the dock. I didn't go out. Cause I, I don't know how to sail. I spent three days sleeping on a boat and, and hiking in the hills and journaling and uh, going to restaurants, but being, you know, just writing down things as I was going. And the next year, because of that, God said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful to take three days. I'm going to give you six days on a silent retreat to a monastery where you will have a spiritual director who you will get to meet with every day for half an hour to help you process the last 24 hours in silence and give you directions for the next 24 hours. And doing that yearly thing, this will be my fourth year doing that, it is actually – In that silence and the stillness, God brought three years ago a uh, a memory, a painful, hurtful memory, and of something my dad engaged, like um, something that happened between my father and me when I was 17, that has haunted me for decades. And in that silence and solitude, God pointed it out to me that I have never let Him into that wound. I've never invited him in. I've tried to figure it out for, at that point, 30 years on my own. And I was running on a hamster wheel, going nowhere. And in the silence and solitude, God highlighted it. I didn't know how to let go of it. So the next day I went to my spiritual director, and he guided me through how to some practices to try to surrender it. And I was able to surrender it to God. And in that moment of surrendering, God brought me back to that memory. And I got to watch it in his, in, through God's lens, that past moment through God's lens. And I got to see my father and I in that moment and Jesus whispering to both of us, I love you. This will not destroy you or your relationship. I will carry you through. It was a perspective I had never seen before. I was not aware of God. I did not really believe in Jesus at that point. And this was a new perspective and that perspective of seeing that Jesus was there that I could, I can't change the past. No one can. But my perspective on the past changed my my ability to view that situation and it, and it actually that change of perspective healed me. And the only way, the only reason I had that kind of, that moment of of that wound lifting off of me, seeing Jesus there with me, it lifted the wound off of me. And the only reason that happened was because I was proactive in my practices of silence and solitude, and it brought healing in a powerful way. And so that's why these things are very important for us to understand why our postures and our practices can bring healing if we're, because God is healer and he is always speaking healing love into us and into the ones we love, even the ones we have adversarial relationships with in the past or the present. We can see things from God's perspective when we spend the time to practice these things, it affects our posture and vice versa. Chris, thoughts, any, any, any uh, follow-ups or questions or clarifications you think I need to make on anything?
1: No. Um, thank you for sharing your, your life there.
0: Um, <laughs> the whole life in one quick. <laughs> um,
1: no, I, I don't. um I don't have any responses. I always appreciate people sharing their life uh, like you have. And uh, I guess I would only say or just re-say that um, um, for the person who might be new to faith in Christ or um, maybe wanting a deeper relationship, that they don't need to do all these things all Mm -hmm. at once. Um, or to try and take on all of these things, and that this is a unique journey of Kurt's. Yes. And uh, and my journey, obviously, is, is far different. And uh, so my encouragement for new believers or young believers or people struggling to renew or restore their relationship with God, if there's something that registered with them in your story, Kurt, um, then give that a try. But don't feel like there's pressure or spiritual rightness in, in having to do all of these things in order to get close to God, because God knows exactly who you are and what your needs are, um, I, and if anything, the first step is just uh, begin talking with God on a daily basis, uh, being aware of his presence. I think that is a, that's a crucial first few steps for someone
0: it is inviting him in to into your feelings and thoughts and asking him to clarify what's him and what's not him. And in all of those things I've shared, it was God who led me into those steps. As I, as I took small steps, he showed me another step and, And sometimes, like I said, I struggled with that, taking that next step. But God is faithful to keep encouraging us. He doesn't condemn or judge, but he keeps encouraging us to take the next step. He constantly pursues us in that. And I think that's such a good, what you shared there, Chris, is such a good perspective on that. Uh, It's one step at a time because we're children and we just need to hold his hand and learn to let him lead us in the next step. We can't figure out the future. We can't plan ahead of, you know, we can plan things, but we, we won't know the results of what's coming. That's the, What's going to happen in the future, is, even if we plan, is really in God's hands. And it's important to stay present and mindful in this step, asking him what he wants us to know, Right now, And I think that's a great open-ended question for all of us to just, in our prayer time, is to ask, what do you want me to know right now? And spend time in silence listening to that and let him lead. That's the important part because uh-huh. he leads us in the healing. It's him that brings it, and he's the comforter. And when we listen to him, that's, he speaks – that's his native language. Comfort and love and healing and restoration, all right, well, we only have a few minutes left before we have to get off the air so um, i I before we leave, I do want to say if you um, are in the area at the Central coast, especially in San Luis Obispo county, you can and you want to talk to us uh, on a more Um, face-to-face relational level we're around Chris works at a Tuscadero Christian community and you so if you're if you're interested in talking and uh, connecting with Chris whether you live in the area or you're traveling here and and want to connect with us Chris works at a Tuscadero Christian community a retirement community that's an incredible place um, a loving place I, I, I love all the people that I know who are on staff there. And uh, if you want to connect with me, uh, you, I lead um, and pastor a, in a community called Elevate Church here uh, in San Luis Obispo. We would love for you to connect with us. Um, you, can, you can actually email me at curdebelevatesloslo.com. Uh, Chris, well, I'll let you say however... <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I can be reached at C and then Wolwen, my last name, W O H L W E N D at rocketmail.com.
0: Yeah, let, let us know if you're in the area. We would love to connect. And we are always thankful for Annie. Yay. That's you, Annie. That's me. However, we're not
2: getting out my email. I get enough emails already.
0: <laughs> That's you can okay. find me
2: on Facebook.
0: <laughs> there you go. Annie Keith on Facebook. There you go. And we do, speaking of which, we now have a Life Hurts, God Heals podcast Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, Look us up. It is called Life Hurts, God Heals podcast. We would love for you to like that and make comments there as well. And, uh, and one more time, thanking some of uh, our, our compatriots and and sponsors.
2: Oh, that's me. Yes, we have the Linked Local Network is the one that sponsors us. And as a part of the Linked Local Network, we have the Road to Recovery on Sundays at five Pacific time, and the Pillars of Franchising on Thursday at 4 central time. And I Googled it this time, this time. And it says that 4 central time is 2 pacific time, but that doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) So I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that.
0: (laughs) There is a great mystery we'll uncover in future episodes. So you can, you can listen next week at seven o'clock pacific time to us, or you can also, if you miss an episode you can catch our podcast with the same link as well um you can go to facebook and you can get the link until next time
2: thanks everyone
0: see you you later